If you're a founder, you know that fundraising is a big part of the job. What you might not know is that Carta is there to help. Carta's new fundraising suite provides startups of all stages the best tools and support to easily issue safes, accurately forecast solution, and quickly close funding rounds. Save time, money, and make your next round your best yet. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Welcome to Inc.'s The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, the founder of LearnBest, author of New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with a top founder to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Alexa Von Tobel, and I'm really excited about this week's guest. Meet Bryn McNulty Rojas, the co-founder and CEO of Hobby, the data-driven real estate company headquartered in Bogota, Colombia. Bryn is tackling the $10 trillion Spanish Latin American real estate market. Since its launch in 2019, Hobby has scaled rapidly, positioning itself as Colombia's largest home buyer, and despite COVID, has seen transaction volume triple since March. Bryn's career spans real estate investing at Goldman Sachs, consulting at McKinsey, and global strategy at Selena. Plus, Bryn has an MBA from Harvard Business School, where she was named a George F. Baker Scholar, the highest honor awarded by HBS. Let's welcome Bryn. Hi, Bryn. Hi, Alexa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. And I, I first want to step back. So for everybody out there listening, the tens of thousands of future entrepreneurs, people that are super excited about the startup space, let's first describe to everybody, what is Hobby exactly? And then what helped you decide to go start Hobby? Sure. So you mentioned it a little bit in the introduction, but we are a data-driven real estate company that's dedicated to offering simple tech-enabled solutions for middle-class buyers and sellers of homes in Latin America. You can think of what we do as kind of an MLS meets an open door. The first piece is that we're building a centralized database of residential real estate prices and, and other related information, and we're utilizing that to allow us to buy and sell homes quickly and efficiently. And that way we can solve problems of sellers in the market and of buyers in the market, and we can offer them a variety of services to make that process easy. One of the things that really struck me when you and I were chatting about hobby was also, just the fact that there isn't a Zillow or a Trulia or something that really helps everybody all understand the data. Tell us a little bit more about that as sort of a massive gap that's in the market in Columbia. Yeah, and that's really important context for people, especially in the United States, to understand about what we're dealing with in Columbia. There is no MLS and there's no real access to information. And this spans from an individual who wants to sell her house to the government doesn't really have a centralized place where they know all of the real estate transactions that have occurred and the prices at which they have occurred. And that makes it really, really hard for people to make decisions. And as you can imagine, that results in illiquidity and a lot of stress around the entire process. In addition to that, there's a very fragmented broker market. No broker owns more than 2% of the transactions. At this point, it's pretty low tech. In the neighborhoods we operate, we now cover almost the entire city of Bogota, which is about 10 million people. The majority of listings are not online. Over 65% of the apartments that are for sale are listed through signs in the windows. That's crazy. It's, it's impossible to imagine, honestly, without being there. And this is not just in the middle class where we are focused. This extends to the nicest neighborhoods. People will just hang very, very large signs on their patios or in their windows that say, house for sale, here's my phone number. 
there's a lot of confusing paperwork, particularly if you're trying to get financing for what they call used homes or not new development. And the most significant difference for me is the lack of trust and the lack of a sense of safety that people feel when they're engaging in transactions with other individuals. People don't feel safe letting people tour their home. People feel that they're getting tricked all the time. And I think a lot of that is based on the fact that they don't have the data that they need to know what's a fair deal. And there's just a lot of misinformation. On the listing sites, you will sometimes see people list homes that they don't actually own. And then those homes will have signs outside that say this house is not for sale. So if on the buy side, you worry about trying to buy a house that is actually not being sold by the actual owner. So in short, it's like a very confusing, very intimidating world for people to engage in. What got you interested in this problem? Help us understand the narrative that made you say, I want to go devote the next 25 years of my life to building this business. So this really goes back a little bit, so bear with me. But when I was an undergrad at Wharton, I was, as everyone was told they're supposed to be, a finance concentration. And in my junior year, I was taking a class in international mortgage finance systems. And I realized that the basic rules and like basic laws about property can have really transformational impacts on the development of communities. And we reviewed a number of cases where the establishment of property ownership rights transformed areas that had formerly just been lived in by squatters into areas that had homeowners who were paying taxes. And then those taxes funded the development of streets and sewage systems and schools and so much more. And then you had really a snowball effect of economic development from that very basic kind of legal establishment. And in taking those classes, I thought, wow, that's the type of impact that I want to have on the world. But I realized that in order to be able to do that, I needed to understand the fundamentals of real estate investing. And then I needed to understand what was happening today in the world in real estate and how technology was affecting it. So when I graduated, I went to Goldman and I quickly transitioned into a real estate investment group where I spent a few years. Then when I applied to business school, I spent a brief period of time at a property technology startup in New York. I did the same during my summer and my two years at Harvard. And then when I graduated from HBS and moved to Columbia, the magnitude of the problem in the residential space was so wildly apparent that it was only a matter of time until I figured out how we could begin to solve it. And then I knew once I met Sebastian and I got to understand his background and we looked at what was happening in the United States and the explosion of some startups like Open Door, that there was a way that we could adapt some of the things that were working in a developed market like the United States to address even more fundamental problems in Colombia. And through doing that, we could affect the type of change that I had always wanted to affect for the middle class throughout the continent and really empower them in the largest financial decisions of their lives, which is core to the mission of what we're doing at Hobby. What is, exactly is Hobby doing? And walk us through why you started on the data set, that MLS going first, and then mm -hmm. what Hobby will do and walk us through a little bit of the exact process that Hobby would will, will actually go through buying and transacting a home. Sure, absolutely. And to give you a sense, by the way, of, of the true lack of ability to do things online, when I moved to Columbia in 2016, I couldn't find a place to live until I was physically on the ground. So that just goes to show that even people who, like me, view themselves as kind of very tech capable and used to doing things through Zillow or through Compass or other tools in the States, I was completely unable to do that. Another piece of information that I might have mentioned related to the pain points in the Colombian market today is that the average time to sell your home is 14 months in Bogota. My house just sold 
and it took over two years and we sold it with iPhone photos. Like, I think that that's just something that's so beyond the realm of comprehension for people in the United States who are used to things functioning in a different way. So when we thought about the pain points of the middle-class consumer and how to solve it, we think, okay, if you need liquidity or if you need to move, or there's some other event in your life that's causing you to sell your house, you really don't want to wait 14 months. How can we solve that? We want to be able to buy the house with certainty in 10 days. Then on the buyer side, we want to offer a sense of trust. We want to offer a quality house that doesn't have any legal issues or structural issues. And ideally that's newly renovated. So you can compare it to some of the new builds. So in order to to solve those problems, we need to understand the fundamentals of the asset in which we are engaging and, and in which we are becoming a market maker. And in order to do that, we needed to build the data set to know what the market price is, what the expected hold period is, and what other kind of dynamics in the market are relevant for us to think about if we're going to be putting these on balance sheet, renovating them and selling them. So that took us back to before we began transacting in houses, building out the data set, which you mentioned. The wonderful thing about the data asset that we're building is in centralizing all of this information that has been offline or held by a variety of different players, is that we can do so much more than just price out homes that we're buying. We can offer to owners who have no intention of transacting just a sense of what their largest asset is worth. We have a Zestimate product, which we launched in the spring, which has been wildly popular. We can help financial institutions like the largest securitization firm in the country with whom we've launched a pilot for a partnership, understand the market value of homes that they've issued mortgages against. And then, of course, we can help sellers and buyers transact more quickly. So you're building the data asset, which doesn't exist, and then you're going in and you'll buy the home in 10 days. You'll actually mm-hmm. clean it up, renovate it, and then you'll make it easier to sell. And effectively, what you're bringing is this massive trust layer to the middle class for what will probably most certainly be their biggest financial decision that they make in their lifetime. Absolutely. And you have that massive mission behind it. Right now, you launched in Bogota, and you're thinking about expanding. Let's talk a little bit about why Bogota, and then Mm -hmm. how do you think about expansion? Where do you want to go immediately? Where do you think you want to go ultimately? So I'll start with Bogota. It's a very compelling market in that it is a large city. It has 10 million people and over 2.3 million households. It's very dense and urban, and there's quite a homogenous housing stock, especially for the middle class, which works well for the automated pricing model, which we're building. And then on the team side, Bogota is a wonderful tech hub in Latin America. There have been a number of really excellent startups that have launched out of Bogota, like Rappi. And there is a lot of world-class talent that we've been able to draw from. And then lastly, Sebastian, my co-founder, is a former entrepreneur in Bogota, and he was born and raised in the city. He worked at one of the country's largest family offices, which is kind of an institutional style family office. He started the largest online supermarket in Colombia, and he ran the digital transformation for the country's second largest bank. So Sebastian is very, very well connected in the entrepreneurial ecosystem, which allowed us to to build the best top tier talent team in data. We have a former entrepreneur data scientist who had ran a dynamic residential real estate pricing firm before. We have head of technology who was a senior head of technology at Scotiabank Colpatria and was moving to Canada. And we were able to get these kind of top tier people because of Sebastian's experience in the market. 
after Bogota, we are going to move to Medellin. We're actually excited to announce that we'll be opening Medellin in the next month. And the things that we consider when opening up another city are, as we've discussed, first and foremost, our ability to build a powerful data asset. And that relies on the proprietary partnerships, which we've set up. In Colombia, what's convenient is a lot of the real estate and financial institution partnerships that we've set up are countrywide. So that helps us get information for other cities like Medellin. And then the, the dynamics of the actual city and the different neighborhoods. Is there a large and thriving middle class? Do they have a somewhat homogenous housing stock? And do they have just the, the volume of transactions that is worth our establishing operations there? Median at almost 5 million people satisfies all of those checks, and we're excited to launch there and grow our, our volumes in a second city in Colombia. After that, our vision really is to own Colombia in the transaction space, offering this solution to all of the middle-class people in Colombia throughout the different cities in the country, and then expand beyond Colombia to the rest of Spanish Latin America so that we can solve the pain points that people feel in all of these markets, which lack MLS, lack easy access to data, have fragmented broker markets, and are really low-tech. I want to shift gears a little bit to talking about the team. So you've scaled to 50 employees in just over a year, which is incredibly dramatic and, and, and really impressive. What's your approach to thinking about hiring? And tell us, for anybody that's listening, what the Colombian tech scene is like. Sure. This is one of the things that makes me the most happy about what we built at Javi. We've been so lucky to build an extraordinary team in such a short period of time. I would say the, the way in which we were able to do that is we have a few kind of key ways in which we hire. First is we built an incredibly strong founding team. Sebastian and I have very complementary background, skill sets, personalities, which we can go into. But in addition to that, we brought on a very strong chief of technology in Alejandro Gaviria, who's a former entrepreneur, Diego Gamboa, who's running technology. And then we have a handful of other players of whom we just completely empowered them to build out their own teams. And it was that in addition to our obsession with culture and our obsession with having people fit the kind of hobby mission, the hobby values, and the hobby dream that allowed us to build out the teams below them. And we're incredibly proud of the team that we've built and that we're continuing to, to build the team out rapidly during this period of growth. Bogota is very much a tech hub. There are a number of well-known, rapidly growing startups like Rappi. And as a result, there's this very fun energy in the neighborhoods in which many of us have offices. I imagine that it's somewhat like what Silicon Valley was like a kind of a few decades ago even. There's such a vibrant excitement about the potential that Colombia has on the global stage for building out the, the next stage of technology and innovation. I feel really lucky because in the tech side and the data side, we've had world-class talent and we don't need to hire remotely, which a lot of people I think assume that we might have at the start. That's wonderful to hear. As you think about real estate specifically, in Colombia, and you fast forward five years, 10 years, what's obvious to you? What are your predictions? What are the things that you feel like are just absolutely going to happen no matter what? So I think what's absolutely going to happen no matter what is that there's going to be an increased expectation that so much more can be done online. And this is with respect to the commercial side or the, the non-governmental institutions that people interact with, as well as it is with the public groups. I think that things have just been functioning in a way that is 
not up to date with the way everything else in the world is functioning, that people will demand a higher standard from their brokers, from their financial institutions. Let's talk a little bit more about that customer experience and the, all of the noise that you've removed. What, walk me through as though I'm a customer of Hobby. What, what does that mm -hmm. journey now feel like on the other side to, to, to one of your customers? If you want to sell your house, you can go to hobby.co, enter your address, enter some information about your house, and receive a single home visit, and then get a price at which we'll buy the house. When we provide that price, we also provide people with a lot of information explaining to them why we believe their house is worth the price at which we're willing to pay. We give them information on local comps. We give them information around the, the distance to the most the distance to shopping centers, to metro stops, to all of the things that might affect housing value. And then we also explain the expected time on market that they would have if they didn't sell with us. This is all to say that we want them to feel empowered in the decision whether or not they sell to us. And then they can always take the information that we give them and try to put it on the market and then come back to us at a later point in time and get a new price. On the buyer side, we want to offer accurate listings that are enjoyable to browse and make people feel excited to move into. In that, we mean we have everything online. We have 3D virtual tours where you can actually walk through an apartment as though you're there. We certify that the, the apartment is free of any legal issues. There's no mortgage on it. There's no kind of complications that people otherwise might feel that they come across on a one-on-one -on -one transaction. And of course, the apartment's newly renovated. And lastly, when they move in, we want them to be delighted with the variety of bundled services that we offer. So we have discounts for internet, for storage, for furniture, and for other things that just make life easier for buyers moving into a new home. Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on, for starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Carta knows this too. That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suites helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Brian, I want to switch a little bit to you as a founder and you as an entrepreneur. Was it always obvious to you that you knew you wanted to start something or did you happen into hobby? What was that change like for you personally? Sure. So I am not one of those people who thought my whole life, like I'm going to start a company and I'm an entrepreneur for life. That is very much who Sebastian, my co-founder is. He co-founded Mercao and that was a, a strong success. And he knew that he was an entrepreneur for life and it was a matter of time still he started his next company. I fell upon the opportunity to create Hobby through realizing the state of the market in Colombia and through understanding my relationship with Sebastian and, and what we really could build together. And through that, I decided to become an entrepreneur. And I think that that kind of difference in how we came to co-found this company is reflected in the way in which we run it together. For everybody out there listening that's thinking about picking a co-founder, what it means to have a co-founder, what does that mean for you personally, and how do you and Sebastian think about that relationship? Sure. So I feel incredibly lucky to be working with Sebastian, and it's quite interesting because we could not be more different in terms of background, skill sets, and personalities, but it works remarkably well. And I think the reason it works remarkably well is there is this very strong foundation of trust. 
Sebastian and I have been friends since 2014. And we've always stayed close through our kind of varying personal and professional paths. And that has allowed us to establish a repertoire where we know the way the other one makes decisions. And we know kind of the ultimate boundaries that people feel, uh, each of us feel in, in what's okay and what's not okay. And that sounds dramatic, but I think that that's really important before you choose a co-founder because in many ways it's like getting married. It's so well said. And in fact, if you would have asked me, what is the answer that is almost paramount to hear before you can really trust that you know a founding team is going to stay together is that that they think of it like a marriage, that it's on this extreme foundation of trust. We are extremely open with one another. And I think we also have created a way in which we communicate with each other where we are blunt, but open-minded. And we, we kind of do the thing that you hear often, which is we strong, we hold strong views weekly in that we each have our realms that we run, but the other person can challenge and can question and can push back. And we have very strong, aggressive debates on a lot of decisions and a lot of topics. But at the end of the day, whoever owns that that kind of piece of the puzzle gets the final say. And we just believe in the other person's ability to make the right call. Pay it forward to other founders that are listening. Like, what are the things that you've learned are critical to keeping the, the Bryn or Sebastian train on the track? What are the things you swear by that you think make you a far better CEO? Is it meditation? What is it? So in terms of keeping Bryn and Sebastian on track, I think it is a lot about the the way in which you organize your communications because there are so many things happening at the same time that you have to be obsessively methodical about where things are tracked down. And I am a big user of both Trello and Monday to manage different processes, both my own and with teams and one-on-one -on -one with Sebastian. And I think that finding the tools that work for you so that things don't get lost in the mess is crucial. And then in terms of kind of staying on one's own game, for me, exercise is crucial, crucial, crucial. Like I, I am someone who needs to get up and do yoga or go for a hike or go for a run or a bike ride or whatever it might be for a minimum of 45 minutes before I can start my workday. I wish I were one of those people who said that they meditated for 20 minutes when they woke up or before they went to bed, but I just haven't been able to get there yet. Bryn, one of the things that I particularly love about Hobby is just there's such a deep mission um, that you have behind the business. Not every business um, that I get to interview has a mission. How do you think about the mission of Hobby being part of the value system or the culture that you, you and Sebastian want to build over the coming decade? So I actually think having such a strong mission makes it easy for us to make all of the little decisions along the way, which define where a company goes. It also helps us create a culture that I feel really proud of. And a good example of that is that the team together without the input of me and Sebastian created four main values and that they are used to drive every single decision that every single person makes whenever there's a doubt about what is the right thing to do. And those values are, I am the customer's home. I am a window clear and transparent. I am a master key and I am the bell. We all make the sound. And I am the customer's home is meant to say that every decision that we make is for the best of the customer. We wanna make them feel safe. We wanna make them feel that they are always in a place that they're comfortable and that they're taken care of. And that means that we should never try to skimp on price. We should never try to mislead anyone. We should never do anything that is just crossing the boundary that both Sebastian and I have set for the way the company should act. The second I'm a window clear and transparent is related to the way in which we communicate inside the firm. We wanna make sure that there's a culture of feedback and of honesty, and that if you've made a mistake, you can raise your hand and that it's okay to just always address things front on. Uh, the third is 
I'm a master key. And this is all about empowerment. We want people to be able to solve problems themselves. We do not want to establish a bureaucratic organization, especially as we grow. We want to make people feel that they know the end goal of what we're trying to do, which is solve the customer problem, and they have the tools to make that happen. And then the last, I am the bell, we all make the sound, is relating back to the fact that in our office, which sadly we haven't been in for such a long period of time, we have a large cowbell. And every time we buy or sell a house, the person who signed the deal gets to ring the bell. And the idea is though, every transaction gets a bell ring and it's the actual commercial person who executed that transaction who gets to ring the bell. But we all make the sound because every single thing that we all do at Hobby is to get that bell rung. You are a first time founder. Uh, can you give everybody a quick sense of how much you've raised to date and from who? We're really proud to have raised over $15 million from excellent investors, including Inspired Capital, Homebrew, 8BC, and Zig, among others. Uh, and we're excited to, to use our partners and keep growing. I want to transition to a quick fire round. I want to know, what's the coolest pinch me moment that you've had so far at Hobby where you said, I can't believe that just happened? So this happened last week uh, when we celebrated one year since we founded the company. And we were on a Zoom call that was set up, a Zoom call celebration that was set up by a team that didn't include Sebastian and me, in which all 50 people participated. They created a variety of custom celebratory backgrounds, and everyone received a box at their house with a tire to put on, with a kind of a variety of materials to make a cocktail, because we had a cocktail class. Some people got trophies because we had awards that were serious awards for the people who most embodied the four values that we just went over and then joke awards. And after doing the hour and a half celebration, which included some speeches, some of the awards that I mentioned, some of the kind of different classes, we ended the formal celebration at about 5 p.m. And at 11.30 that night, people were still in the Zoom call celebrating, spending time with one another, kind of telling stories. And I was just blown away by the passion and the excitement and kind of the connectivity of the team that hasn't been together in person since March. That is really impressive. Um, that's <laughs> really, that's awesome, Bren. You're clearly building a team that is very special and very, very committed to hobby. What's your favorite interview question? One thing that I usually like to ask people is, what do you want out of your out of your career? And whether it's the next five years of your career or your career in general, like what are the things that you aspire to do and that you think will bring you joy? And that just helps me really understand if people are passionate about solving the problems of the middle-class consumer. And if it's not, that's completely okay. If it's about becoming the most capable data analytics person that they have ever dreamed of being, that's great too, because they just want to be able to use information to solve problems, whether it's about, uh, I don't know, rerouting airplane systems throughout the country or houses or groceries stores moving online. Like I don't really mind if people don't care as much about the mission as I do. I just care about them wanting to be excellent at what they're doing. Um, but that just helps me get a sense of whether or not they'll be a good fit for their particular role. Brandon, if there's one other startup that you're really excited about that you want to give a shout out to, what would it be? I'm really excited about a startup called Moy. It was started by a friend of Sebastian's called Jose Calderon, and it is now LATAM's largest cloud restaurant player, which has a goal of giving access to good, healthy, and affordable food to everyone in Latin America. 
They have service in Colombia, Brazil, and Mexico, and they're growing very, very rapidly. And I think that they're the best of utilizing technology to get good, healthy options in the hands of everyday people. I love it. Bryn, first of all, you are such a delight to have been able to have on the show today. And I clearly believe that there's a massive bright future in hobby. Everybody out there listening, if you want to learn more about hobby, go to hobby.co. And please join us next week for Ink the Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. And let's thank Bryn for joining us today. Thank you so much, Bryn. Thank you, Alexa. This is such fun.